Digital acceleration is here. Health systems are walking the path, but are they in the right direction? Welcome to Patient Journey Pioneers, roadmaps from the top digital leaders in healthcare who share insights and strategies that are pushing the patient journey to new heights. This podcast is brought to you by Hyro, and I'm your host, Liat Kozuch. I'm your host, Liat, and today we have a very special guest. Angela Yocum, Executive VP and Chief Transformation and Digital Officer of Novant Health, a super regional healthcare system with one of the largest medical groups in the U.S. Angela and her teams oversee growth initiatives and deliver world-class consumer capabilities, differentiating technologies and advanced clinical solutions that allow the integrated system to provide remarkable patient care. Angela, it's so great to have you with us today. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. So I think what's unique about you, Angela, and uh, others recognize this as well, is your strive for experimentation in a heavily regulated healthcare industry that's traditionally been slow to embrace digital change. And you once said, meaningful innovation always comes with risks attached. And I believe this is something that kind of you keep in your mind and it keeps you at the cutting edge of innovation. So let's backtrack and hear a bit about your journey. Fun fact for those who don't know, Angela got her undergrad degree in music. You started writing code in sixth grade. Take us from that point and share a brief overview of your journey. I've been very fortunate in that I've had an opportunity to work in a variety of industries that were under some degree of transformation at the time. Um, and my, my area of expertise has historically been everything to do with transformation. So, um, yes, I was a deep technologist and I started out, you know, transforming systems, modernizing legacy systems or the like, or, or building new, uh, software solutions that maybe no one else, uh, no one else had. But over time, um, I found myself being, um, asked to transform businesses and, uh, business lines and then, and then businesses and then finally, um, companies. And when I joined Novant Health, it was because my boss, uh, Carl Armato, who's a great visionary CEO, um, had the, the aspiration to transform the industry. So um, that's been my my path. Um, I go where transformation is is needed. Um, now, as it relates to healthcare specifically, um, my my journey be- began four and a half years ago, um, closer to five now. However, I actually tempt in college in a medical records department. Not a lot of people know that. (laughs) And so uh, I have had uh, some experience in legacy medical records um, transformation from microfiche (laughs) into um, what was at the time modern EMR technology uh, from way, way back. Uh, And I was just thinking of it the other day, I guess technically I could tell people, oh, you know, I started in healthcare. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> 20 years ago or 20, 30 years ago. Well, you can write a book by now about you know everything you've mm-hmm. seen and how things have really transformed. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to pick your brain and soak in some of your insights. So let's get started. We all know too well that Novant Health set up an innovation lab this past April to showcase some of the emerging technologies and vendors that you've been working with, including Hyro. Can you tell us more about that lab? Sure. So our belief is that um, we need to have space. And, and by the way, it need not be physical space. In our case, uh, we had the lab inner workings um, logically in place long before the physical space came to fruition. Um, but we believe there needs to be space for learning, 
Um, we need to, to have the opportunity to work with emerging technologies, um, emerging solution sets that may not be commercially available yet. Uh, we work with individual inventors. We work with startups who are hoping to bring a product to market. And sometimes we work with other entity types that have a solution that, again, they may not be selling commercially just yet, but would certainly apply to a problem we're trying to solve. And the, the innovation lab gives us a chance to experiment with this emerging tech. So we get a chance to learn a little bit about, um, you know, how it works, how might we uh, work on a, a co-creation opportunity with, with the tech? Is there an opportunity for us to, to, to shift it in any way or do any sort of customization if that's appropriate? Um, and, and learn a little bit more about the, uh, and the company itself and the, before making a major decision about investment. So it's really to learn and to provide an opportunity for our team members to engage in really exciting, energizing work with, uh, with inventors and early stage companies. Amazing. So when you do take on a certain technology, how do you measure digital transformation? Novant Health is considered extremely innovative in the space that we know. How do you set the bar? What are some milestones you track to make sure you're on the right path? Well, first, I should tell you that we don't make a distinction between digital uh, transformation and just transformation itself, because there is, as you know, it's impossible to think about a business transforming um or you know, patient care transforming or increasing the quality of care or expanding access to care without some sort of digital underpinning. And that's not just sort of back office digital capability sets, that's digital channels through which um, our patients engage us or digital channels through which our, um, our providers and our advanced practitioners and our physicians and our nurses and our team members all engage with one another and the ways in which we work are allowed to evolve as a result of that digital enhancement. So regardless of the nature of the, of the, of the outcome we're seeking, there's always a digital component. So as we think about uh, doing that work and uh, making sure that that work is successful, again, when we optimize for learning, it gives us a chance to pressure test, continually pressure test hypotheses about the outcome that will be generated from a given project activity. And as we pressure test that hypothesis, sometimes we learn that we were incorrect. <laughs> and but we, if we can learn that relatively soon in the, in the course of an investment cycle, that gets us, uh, that gets us out of uh, our own way faster. What motivated you to automate certain points of the patient journey and use AI for patients' digital experience? Similar to the way we think about transformation yeah. as just transformation, I don't think about the patient's journey as having a digital, you know, being a, a digital journey versus a, a, a regular journey. It's just the journey. And one of the great things um, that Hiro has allowed us to do is to allow that journey and the the incorporation of digital capability sets into that journey and enhancing that patient's experience in a very seamless way. So, um, so think about, you know, even if a patient is going in, let's say that a patient is, 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 you know, wants to see their, their primary care physician and, and intends to go into, you know, a clinic to see that primary care physician. So very, you know, traditional sort of engagement. Um, Chances are the patient made the appointment using a digital channel. Chances are the patient, the patient um, found their way to the clinic using digital capability sets, some of which we would provide. 
chances are that they were automatically checked in because of the geofencing capability we have in our clinics. They walked in, they were automatically checked in. Maybe they were asked a couple of extra questions, but they would do that through, again, a digital channel. Um, they might have uh, leveraged a wayfinding capability set that we have in certain locations. Um, maybe once they get back to the clinic, they notice that they're, and they're speaking to their provider, maybe they notice that the, the the physician is looking at them and not typing on the keyboard because, you know, that it's being transcribed using natural language processing and voice recognition um, automatically into the EMR. You know, maybe they had an opportunity to have as part of that primary care visit, maybe there's a, a, a remote uh, a specialty consult that happens in the same office before they leave using a digital channel to, to, to make that happen. Maybe they're sent home with enhanced sensor capabilities in a wearable device that allows them to track um, their own vitals in a, in a more consistent way um, than they had planned. And, you know, in between all of that, they might very well be on our website asking questions of a Hiro enabled chatbot. <laughs> Absolutely. This is just part of the serious journey that we want our patients to have with us. And the digital capabilities that are just intrinsically interwoven throughout. Do you want to mention a mission that you spoke about, which was keeping every member of the community healthy? And the role that healthcare providers play in that mission is uh, expanded access to care and improved quality of care. Those are still at your top two focus pillars of your day-to-day. -day. That's definitely evident um, at Novant Health and also just in general in, in the transformations that we're seeing going on now. And you mentioned wearables. So that's going to take me to a fun game that we're going to play now. It's time uh, for you to place your digital bets, okay? I'm going to be naming a technology in healthcare. And you're going to tell me if it's bullish or bearish. Number one, Angela, telehealth. Bullish from a usage perspective, from the perspective of uh, its expansion and the incorporation into more of the patient community um, into telehealth enabled channels. Bearish in the investment space because it is absolutely a crowded market. Number two, wearables. Bullish. I think that there's a tremendous appetite um, in our society for continued collection of data about one's own health and wellness. I think that continued uh, curiosity will expand. And as uh, the sensor landscape continues to uh, evolve rapidly, because of the advances that are happening in these advanced sensors, we're going to see form factors that are increasingly small providing increasingly larger array of data about one's health. And because of that, I think that that is a hot market for both um, adoption and for investment. Number three, conversational AI. Bullish, and I would say of the three you've mentioned so far, that is by far um, the most important. As we try to think about the, um, the expansion of access to care, we have to, and, and by the way, keeping in mind that we are seeing, the industry is seeing um, people leaving the healthcare industry in droves. I mean, the, the, the nursing shortage is well known here in the U.S. The physician um, population is reporting that they'll be planning to um, leave the profession in the next, you know, I think it's something like 
I, now I'm going to quote something that I don't remember the source. So take it with a grain of salt. But I heard the other day that 30% of physicians, of practicing physicians surveyed said they would be leaving the industry in the next three years, something crazy like that. Um, so if you think that, if you think that is, if you believe that, then you have to believe that any way we can expand the practicing clinicians reach uh, and the expand and expand access to those practicing clinicians through digital means. That's when we think about how natural language processing and voice activated assistance and all of the things that are incorporated in, in that one item uh, will, will come into play. And it's that technology is only getting better and better and better. So um, I, I'm very, very bullish on it. Okay. Remote patient monitoring. Bearish. And not because I don't think that it's something that everybody needs. And not that I don't think it's something that absolutely should be just a part of the patient journey, particularly when you think about getting patients out of high cost hospitals and into, you know, environments where they will be surrounded by their, um, you know, their caretakers that are, that are part of their family or their friend group, or their communities. Um, it, it, it certainly helps with the expansion of the reach of physicians, as I just mentioned. And, and for all of those, th- all of those reasons, I love it. I am less certain that, the um, various state legislatures will um, make the moves that will allow for clinicians to be appropriately compensated for their their use of their full use of the range of remote patient monitoring capabilities. Um, and as a result, I think that we won't see it as much in use as we should see it. And for that reason, I'm bearish. Not because I don't. Last one, augmented reality. What's the time frame? <laughs> Is it this year? Okay. Oh, so here's, I think that there's tremendous, uh, I think it's tremendous capabilities that are enabled by augmented reality. So for an example, imagine smart glasses where the person dispensing uh, pharmaceuticals in you know, a hospital setting um, has on the glasses an indication of, um, you know, the patient pulled directly from the record. Here's the patient. Here's what you're dispensing. Here's what the pill should look like. Here's how much you should be. Uh, here's how much you should be giving them today, right now at this moment. You know, and, and have that be that sort of augmented experience that that helps um, automate day to day, or I should say, enhances um, the quality of day to day tasks. Um, I'm very bullish on that sort of thing, I, but I'm bearish on the time frame. So I think that's going to, not that the technology doesn't exist, totally exists. It'd be really um, fairly straightforward to make that, uh, to put that into place. But from an adoption perspective and a change management perspective and the cost associated with leveraging augmented reality um, in, you know, wide, in a widespread manner in, in, in hospitals and clinics that are already um, you know, challenged uh, for all sorts of reasons with costs. I don't see that being big in the next year. So <laughs> Angela, um, let's just talk pre-healthcare for a sec. You've spent your career filling technology leadership roles at Fortune 500 companies, including Dell, Bank of America, and most recently as the CIO of Rent-A-Center. 
What's one major facet of those industries, something in the digital space that they do exceptionally well that you'd love to see adopted in healthcare? We spend a lot of time talking about omni-channel in healthcare. Let's talk about omni-channel in banking and let's talk about uh, omni-channel in in retail. And then I think it'll be obvious where we've not fully realized the potential in healthcare. So in banking, omni-channel looks like this. You know, a, a banking customer would use their app or they'd log in, you know, online and, you know, look at their accounts and they can initiate a transaction to move money from account A to account B. And that transaction maybe is happening and then suddenly you lose connectivity, right? And you're oh no, where's my money? Like I I just lost connectivity. (laughs) Uh, Did the the transaction go through? Like I didn't, I didn't receive a notification before I lost connectivity. So then you pick up the phone and you call a call center, right? And you say, Hey, uh, this is Angela Yoakum. I just tried to transfer money from account A to account B. And then my internet went out or, you know, my, my phone died or whatever. So I need help. Um, You know, you, the, the call center, the expectation is that the call center, um, person would be able to view, or they're using a chat bot if, if internet connectivity still exists, but in my example, it doesn't work. So the call center person uh, says, okay, I see your transaction. Yeah. I can see the status of your transaction. It did complete. You're good to go. Like there's a transactional integrity between the two channels. Great. Um, if you wanted to walk into a branch, let's say that something in fact did go wrong with a transaction and they said, why don't you go into your nearest branch? Well, then you go around the corner to the nearest branch you walk in, and again, there's an expectation that you have, uh, you know, that that person can see the, tra- the status of your transaction, and you can complete it there, or you can complete it at the ATM outside. Anyway, multi-channel transactional integrity, great. Now that's something that healthcare actually does pretty well. But I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Let's talk about retail. Retail omni-channel means I'm going to go to a store. I'm going to sit on a bunch of couches. I'm going to decide that I want this sofa. Um, I liked it. I got to try it. So I'm going to order it, but I don't want to pick it up in the store. I want it to be delivered to my house. And so you start the transaction in one channel, but you complete the transaction in another channel. Similarly, um, you can go online, uh, order something. I'm going to go to you know an online retailer. I'm going to order a big screen TV and I'm going to pick it up around the corner later today. I'm going to schedule that pickup. I'm just going to drive by pop the trunk and someone's going to stick it in the back of my trunk and I'm going to drive off and bring it home. So I can watch that big screen TV tonight. Um, Now in healthcare, imagine a scenario where I start my transaction. I start my visit uh, online. So I'm coughing. Um, I want them to hear my cough. Um, I'm feeling kind of bad. The, physician on the other end of the phone says, yeah, you know, they're they're looking at me, they can see me, but if I don't have access, if they don't have access, or if I'm not using one of the advanced sensor devices that Novant Health actually offers, which allows us to hear the lungs uh, remotely, if that patient doesn't have that, then they might say, you know, someone really needs to listen to your lungs. I don't like the sound of that cough. Um, I see, you know, are, are you at home now? Yes, you are. Um, I see that there's a clinic around the corner and they have an appointment available in 15 minutes. Can you make it there? Oh, you don't have a car. I will send a lift for you and you will get your know, or, or an Uber or whatever. And then you will be delivered to this clinic in 15 minutes. 
So uh, if you can, if you can, if you can make that, yes. Okay, great. I've secured the appointment. Here comes a lift. Someone takes me to my appointment. I walk in. Oh, Ms. Yoakum, I understand you have a nasty cough. Come on back. You're going to be in room number three. We're going to take a, take a listen to your lungs. These are the sorts of experiential consistencies that do not exist in healthcare today. In healthcare, what would happen, I can, I can have that appointment. The physician might say, uh, yes, you need to hear, have someone listen to your lungs. Why don't you go online and make an appointment to see somebody? <laughs> so then the patient starts over, they go online, they make an appointment to see someone at the physician right around the corner. Then they have to go there and then they have to start from scratch. So they start from scratch. Hi, I'm Angela Yoakum. I just had this appointment. They told me that I need to have someone listen to my lungs. So here's where, that's why I'm here. And then they go back and listen to the lungs. And that's fine. And the transactional integrity is intact. I mean, because you all have the same EMR, so it's fine. But the experiential integrity is completely disjointed. And there's no connection between this encounter and the next encounter. They're not linked in any way other than the data in the patient's, the clinical data in the patient's record. So the opportunity for healthcare is to make that experience that when a patient flows between channels, extraordinarily seamless. And it's been done in other industries. We can certainly do it here. That was so eloquent. And you just described heaven on earth for a patient and what I would love to experience, but we're not there yet. But I think you're at, you're at the cutting edge of that. Angela, we have a few more questions. Um, what advice would you give to a room full of 100 new CIOs in healthcare? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, so I will okay. give the same advice that I would give to any senior executive in any industry, um, understand that you wear two hats. The first hat that you wear is your domain leadership hat. So yes, if you are a CIO, then you will be optimizing for, you know, the, the outcomes you've been hired to produce. Um, and that's amazing and that's fabulous. And that's why you've been hired to do that work in that space or if you're a CFO, or if you're, you know, physician leader, et cetera, et cetera. However, the second hat you wear is the leadership. You are a C-level executive leading the company for which you work. And that leadership does not stop at the bounds of your domain space. You need to make sure that the, the decisions you're making, the investment decisions you make, the hiring decisions you make, the way in which you engage with your colleagues in, who, who run other domains, all of that has to be with the greater good in mind. And don't ever let yourself, but especially don't ever let everybody else in the room forget that you have the greater good in mind because then you will be always included in the conversations. The conversations where big decisions are being made you have a chance to contribute your not only domain expertise, but also just your brain power. If you're a CIO, you've automated every process in a company, regardless of what that company does. You know exactly how, you know, the process from a, if you're in a manufacturer, you know, order to cash, you know, that cold, right? If you're in a, a retail organization, you understand, you understand the full supply chain of how products come to market. If you're in high tech uh, or the tech sector, you understand everything about the way the, the, both the, the business clients as well as the, the consumer clients engage with your company. And you understand everything about 
the way that company has um, changed the thinking and the engagement with that client, because that's the nature of your domain space. Bring that expertise to this next role and, you know, do great things. If you work in a domain like HR or a domain like, to some degree, even, you know, uh, finance, certainly marketing, to think of your internal constituents as your customers. That's not really true. Um, certainly you want to be extremely easy. Uh, uh, certainly you want to be um, someone with whom they find it very easy to work. Um, absolutely. And, you know, provide excellent service levels for whatever your domain space is, of course, of course. But the customer is your, is your company's customer. And you are partners in delivering the best possible outcome for that customer. In our case, it's for our patients. Those are our customers. And it is important to actively engage in things that, that will benefit that customer uh, regardless of whether or not it is your domain space's responsibility to deliver that thing, whatever it is. You know, have you, have you thought about this? Have you, I mean, engage actively just as you would as if you were the CEO of the company. You strive to understand. Make sure you're striving to understand what's happening in the other parts of the company. And you just do that overtly. Love it. Angela, lastly, uh, if and when we have you back here with us uh, in five years from now on the podcast, what do you hope to be sharing with us um, personally at Novant Health? Hmm. Well, I'd love to spend that time listening to, to, to you know, clips from today's discussion and laughing at how quaint our, <laughs> our discussion I'd love to think about, you know, all of these little problems being well in hand, you know, the solutions being long standing, just table stakes um, by the time we, we get to five years, it's going to be a different world in five years. So I would expect you to look back and laugh. Amen. Yeah. And then there will be more <laughs> issues to solve. Just just how yeah. life works. <laughs> Amazing. Angela, I want to thank you for your time sharing your unique insights with us on Patient Journey Pioneers. Um, is there anyone you view as a trailblazer in the industry that you'd like to nominate as a future guest on our podcast? How about Annette Roth from City of Hope? She's a trailblazer and she has a reputation of being someone who lifts others around her. She has not only... Um, done great things for the systems she served over the years, but also she has through, through the network of people whom she has reached out and lifted. Um, she has had a tremendous impact across um, the healthcare industry as a whole in the U S definitely uh, someone I think you should speak with. Okay. We will go after her then. Angela, thank you again. And this has been wonderful. It's my pleasure. Thank you, for having me. Thank you for listening to Patient Journey Pioneers brought to you by Hiro. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite listening platform. See you on our next episode.